Hey, welcome to a new episode of Last Call Baseball, number 130. I'm Dorian. Summer's winding up, or is it winding down? It doesn't matter. All I know is that, unfortunately, summer is coming to an end. And I feel like this is a one of those talk sports talk radios is like, what is going on? What is this? Not, that's my terrible Seinfeld impression. Those overly dramatic things are the Chicago Cubs winning ways over. Are the Seattle Mariners cooked? Are the Braves a thing of the past after being swept by the Miami Marlins over the weekend? But I want to take a quick look at the teams in the American League West. That crazy. That's not so much crazy. It's almost like who doesn't want to win the division? I think all three teams don't want to win the division. You have the Seattle Mariners who have 11 losses in September. The Dodgers just went to Seattle, swept the Mariners. I wouldn't mind to see the Seattle Mariners back in the playoffs this year and just to watch Julio Rodriguez play for however long they're going to play, two, four, six, eight, twelve 12 games, who knows. Every single team that's in contention in the American League West is under 500 in the month of September. The Astros, the, Te- the Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers, and of course, the Mariners. But I think the Mariners might have the inside track for at least a playoff spot, maybe the division title because the Mariners are playing the most unfortunate Oakland Athletics. So I think everyone expects Mariners to absolutely feast on the Oakland Athletics, win all three games, and ship the, set the ship right to get into the playoffs. And speaking of food, our next guest knows all about great feasts. This week, our special guest is James Kimball, a St. Louis-based chef. James, welcome to Last Call Baseball. How's it going, bud? Thanks for having me. Is Cardinals devil magic real? Uh, Define what you mean by devil magic. You know how... That's the first time time I've heard that concept regarding our Cardinals. Literally, you're clearly being sarcastic. No, no, I'm being dead serious. I've never heard that in reference to the Cardinals baseball. I've never heard that. Basically, it's been around for like about 10 years or so where the Cardinals have a knack when they call up a prospect or just not even a prospect. They sign anybody. They, the, the person outperforms the expectations. The Cardinals have amazing luck and higher performance in the playoffs. And that's one of the reasons that's one of the alleged reasons they've been able to win so often. And, uh, you know, win, win the world series when they weren't the best team in that specific year. Um, there, I would say that there isn't, there is an element of skill, but I'm not going to give the Cardinals front office more credit than they deserve. Um, you know, what, what's it been now? Three years, four years since we acquired Nolan Arenado from Colorado. Um, big tribute to my man out there, though. Uh, what Mazalock did in that deal is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. The Colorado Rockies paid us $50 million. They paid us to take the best third baseman probably in the last 50 years off their hand. Um, I mean, arguably, I, I, I don't even hold conversations with people that want to have a Manny Machado or the best third baseman in baseball conversation. There's just, there's just not enough evidence to support that he holds his hand or to what Nolan Arnold is ever third base, whether it's defensively or offensively, consistently where he wants to be and always having an attitude that says, I don't care what we do. I've got to figure out a way to help the win. Like it carries the weight on the shoulder. Um, the Paul Goldschmidt deal was still another incredible deal, knowing that Goldie wanted to come here, but who we gave up for him was a, a four or five starter at best 
and a prospect catcher that, quite frankly, couldn't hit at the major league level. So there was no reason to think that we lost that deal. I mean, those two acquisitions, I would say, Moselock outdid himself. But with those two, I will say there that is a prime example of why there are a lot of front offices that when they say Moselock popping up on their caller ID, that they don't answer the phone. Because there is an element of this man's going to sweep us off our feet with some deal that is going to make us look like idiots. But I would say it's only about one out of every five or six signings or, or trades that Mazalak pulls off that is that successful. Um, notoriously in 2019, I believe it was, when he signed Matt Carpenter and went a two-year extension at about $25 million a year. Um, and Matt Carpenter did nothing but tank. It's absolutely horrible. The signing at the timing made no sense. Uh, Brett Cecil out of Toronto. He was a no-name pitcher when we signed him. He signed a relief pitcher with an ERA pushing four to a four-year deal. And the man didn't play a combined 50 games in four seasons. Um, the, the Wilson Contreras thing in, in Cardinal Nation is, it's I'd say it's a 50-50 issue. Now, for me, I was not on board with the Wilson Contreras signing. I saw two guys... Um, that we had in our system that were more than capable of picking up the full-time job and splitting it. Ivan Herrera is a prospect. Andrew Kinsner is our bench catcher who knows how to catch our farm guys. He's been catching them since he was a minor. And this year is an exact, an exact example of Kinsner getting full-time playing time and the man's got 15 home runs. He's adding 245, 250. I don't look for an offensive catcher. I look for a defensive leader on the field, which is what Cardinals are notoriously known for, not just in Yadi or Molina, but Eli Marrero before him, Mike Matini, Tom Pagnazzi in the 90s, and then going back even further, Ted Simmons, who's recently put in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's any number of guys that I could name for the St. Louis Cardinals organization in the last 40 to 50 years that have shown why Cardinals continuously land great catchers. We did not need Wilson Contreras. We have no lack of power in our lineup. We have no lack of power in our farm system. Um, what we needed, and everybody was screaming at the top of their lungs, was starting pitching. Jose Locke is infamously quoted now at, uh, during the offseason to saying, we have six starting pitchers. Well, those of us that know the team were like, we don't know where they're at. Like, we wanted to count Wayno, but we were like, Wayno's going on 41. Some of us have never been on the Jack Flaherty train. I take Jack Flaherty for what I saw on the eye test. I've seen him pitching enough games. And I've seen what the man does on paper. People hold Jack Flaherty to a standard that, of what he did in the second half of the 2018 season. And they based his entire career off that half a season. Outside of that half a season, he's been mediocre at best, average, and quite frankly, arrogant. He thinks he's far better than he really is. Um, and this trade over into Baltimore is proof of that. He is getting obliterated in Baltimore because he's not the pitcher that all of baseball um, thinks he is. I've never thought he was that pitcher. Um, do I think it's magic? I mean, it's worked out in the past. 2011 was phenomenal for everybody. Uh, never, I mean, nobody forgets David Friesen's walk off in game six. I think it's more, once guys get here, it's more of they understand the tradition of winning and then wearing the birds on the back. Uh, notoriously around baseball, people hate, hate Cardinal fans because we love our team and we back our place. We do. 
but you also don't see the day-to-day conversations where like, well, why did we have Tyler Motter in our in our bench all season long, batting 170, when we've got two guys in AAA that are leading the minor leagues in home run? We've got two insane power hitters in Moises Gomez and Luke and Baker. And those are guys that deserve the chances to daily playing time if we're not going to be playing at a full capacity at the end of the season. Um, last year was just a magical season to watch with Pujols coming back and doing what nobody expected him to do. I was there, I was lucky enough to be there for probably about seven or eight of those home runs last season. And every single one of them, it was just 45,000 people immediately jumping out of their seats going ballistic. Um, so it was nice to see that in my lifetime. Being there for Yachty's last game and being heartbroken at the end of the season, watching the guy that's been behind the plate 99% of their games for the last, uh, what was it, 17, 18 years. I mean, it's hard to see a player that you've seen his entire career from beginning to end in your stadium just, just be gone one day. I believe the biggest issue, and Jose, like I said it, we are supposed to be pursuing starting pitchers. There's a great bevy of starting pitchers coming up for free agency. Um, I believe you have to address our complete lack of experience. We have an entire coaching staff with the exception of Willie McGee and Joe McEwen, who was a backup second baseman at best in his career. Um, an entire coaching staff of guys that have never played the game on a reserve level, trying to tell these future stars and these current stars how to play a game that they've never played on a level that they've never played in. Um, and I think that is a major, major problem. Um, I think analytics have gone too far with our organization. At the end of the day, you need to break the game back down to what it is. See the ball, hit the ball. Know your count, know what you can do. Look at the game. Break it down to what it used to be and put turning it into time. It's not science, it's baseball. So um, is it voodoo? There's times it seems like dark, it. dark, dark magic, dark magic. No, yeah. Oh, dark magic. <laughs> no, devil, uh, devil see, magic. I'm sorry. That's devil that's magic. On social media. Is it devil magic? Um, at times. Yeah, it seems like it, but there is some brains behind the operation. Uh, Randy Flores as our, our international. Uh, uh, I, I think his role is international player development or player drafting. Randy Flores decides who he's drafted. I think he's done a great job. He's pulled us some big names that are going to go far. Um, but I mean, Ellie De La Cruz coming out of nowhere and doing what he's done, and he's just fun to watch. He, I think he, I think Ellie De La Cruz came from Planet Mars, but I'm not oh the only one. Oh God! His speed, power, defense, arms—that kid right there is the full package. And you can tell with some of these young guys coming up, man, they want to play. Um, the kid for us is Lars Newbottom. Everybody loves Newt. I love Newt. The guy has never not got a smile on his face. Um, he's a stud defensively, man. You see this kid play in real life, but see him in person. The, the plays he makes are incredible. Um, he's had the opportunity to bat between Goldie and Arenado, who was batting three at one point this season, and was hitting home runs. I mean, if you construct the lineup smart enough, we, we've got an entire lineup. I, I would say solidly seven out of nine of our starters could hit 20 or more in a month. 
which was what our 2016 did. You know, Larry Walker, Reggie Sanders. Um, the 2016, I mean, it was just studs up and down the lineup, pitching rotation that uh, pitching rotation. You know, Chris Carpenter, uh, who I you know recently got to meet with one of the pieces I actually did. Um, the bulldog mentality, but then you look at who our coaching staff. Yeah. You know, it was it was Dave Duncan, it was Tony Larusa, it was uh, Brian McRae, Jose Okendo was our third baseman. I mean, it was nothing but guys that played the game for a long time, um, with the exception of Tony. But Tony had been coaching since, you know, the Bass Brothers back in the '80s and going back to the White Sox. Um, I, I recently attended a game on my birthday a couple of weeks ago and actually saw Matt Holiday at the stadium. Uh, I got to actually go in the dugout. He just happened to be in the dugout while I was down there. I didn't get the opportunity to speak to him. I wouldn't give him anything for that. Um, but I found it curious, to say the least, uh, to see Matt Holiday back at the stadium after he had backed out of the uh, hitting coach position that we had offered him in the season and he had, uh, in the offseason that he accepted. Um, I believe the Cardinals are one good restructuring away from being right back where we're supposed to be. Um, our division is still very winnable. There's no dominant superpower in our division, especially right now. Um, you know, you can talk Milwaukee all day, you know, but they're what they just now at the end of the season have finally gotten to like 13 or 14 over 500. Cubs are barely hanging in there. I mean, there's, there's nothing scary or intimidating really about the NL Central except for potentially the – Cubs rotation and the Cardinals power. Um, there's nothing truly intimidating in our division right now. That's kind of sad, especially considering. Yeah, the, you, know, you can say the same thing about the American League Central. There's something going on. Oh yeah, in MLB Central overall. You know, you got players. You got players like Tim Anderson that are just completely miserable in Chicago, um, and you can't blame it. You can't blame it. Like Chicago's doing nothing to make sure that they ever become winners. Um, Detroit is losing Miguel Cabrera this year. I mean, at that point, you have nobody worth going to Watson in Detroit. Uh, Guardians, I mean, there's some guys there that, you know, you like to watch, but they're going to wind up. Yeah, know, they always have, they have the big names solid, are going to wind up getting pretty awesome, I believe. Yeah, they always have, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Cardinals are more likely to trade for a big name and see who they can get at a deal in free agency. Um, but if it doesn't work out, there's got to be some major backlash. The Cardinals, in my opinion, um, with the number of games I've been to with empty seats, Cardinal fans are waking up. They're finally hitting the Cardinals where it hurts in the pocketbook. I've been to more than enough half-empty games this season, and people are finally, you know, I'm de- I've gone to probably half the number of games I usually go to in the season this year. Um, I haven't seen a single win in person. I've been to 10 games. I have not seen a single win. And that, yeah, sorry, that was the bartender. Uh, so actually one of my old good friends is the bartender at the place I decided to stop at. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the way you're talking, the way obviously it's, it's very clear that you're passionate about baseball, passionate about the St. Louis Cardinals. And and the way you, the way you, not the way, the way a front office is constructed and you're saying the good things they've done and also the questionable things they've done, not only are you passionate about the Cardinals and baseball, the way you're talking about it makes me think of almost like ingredients, like getting the right players, getting the right mindset as well. But you, James, you're also a chef. Do you ever see that correlation between what you create in the kitchen 
and also um, what's done in in sports as, as as in the front office as well. I I would say I would say the similarities lie in my approach that everything should be simple. Everything needs to make sense. Everything needs to be organized and it needs to be done in a, like you know okay. Nobody saw what was going to happen with the Arenado. Okay, so every once in a while you're going to get a surprise. But you need to approach things from the most practical standpoint. I think the biggest problem with the Cardinals philosophy that a lot of people have analyzed is Jose Lock saying, you know, our goal is to get to the postseason. What? Like, that's all your goal is? Because for me, I'm going on 12 years now since I've seen a ring. Your, your goal every year needs to be to get that damn ring. Whatever it takes to get that damn ring. And if your only goal is just to get to the postseason, well, I've been to enough postseason games since I moved to St. Louis six and a half years ago. I was there for Yachty's walk-off against the Braves in game four of the playoffs a couple of years ago where he chucked the bat in the right field. I was at that game. I filmed it. It was, it was one of the most insane moments I've ever been. That needs to be your goal, is winning the whole thing. Since then, we've been eliminated year after year without a win. I was at game two of the elimination last year where Bryce Harper hit a bomb 440 feet into right field. That's tough to watch. <laughs> you know? Um, and the same thing goes for when I'm creating a menu or when I'm creating food. You think about what you want the center of the disc to be. Okay, how do I make this good without disguising it so much to the point where it doesn't taste good anymore or you don't even know that it's chicken? You know, you keep it simple. You do your season. Okay, it's like, I've got this one really good ingredient. Now, what do I need to make this one really good ingredient back? It's not, oh, man, I got a hole over here. I got to plug this hole for a little while. I got a hole over here. I'm going to plug this hole for a little while. We have the money. We have the prospects. We have the talent in our organization to be incredible. What are the missing pieces? Find out the missing pieces. Don't get rentals. We, we don't need to be talking rentals. We need to go after guys that we know are proven. I never wanted Carlos Correa. There's something in his medical reports that I don't like. They can't say it. <laughs> no, that violates HIPAA. But I think it, I think they overcomplicate the issue. They overcomplicate. The Cardinals need to be it's, shopping at the organic market, is what you're saying. Yes. They, they need to stop trying to figure out the best way to get over on the consumer and figure out the best way to make the consumers want to pay for the product. You don't put together a $4 casserole and then wonder why people aren't paying $50 for it. Right. You I build a $50 casserole and then people are like, man, I pay 75 bucks for this thing. This is delicious. How do I get the recipe? That kind of thing. Um, I like how you're saying kind of I like how you're saying about consumer, the ingredients you put in a dish, how you make it. That's what we Let's are. Go back. We are the consumer. Well, absolutely. That's exactly what we are. I paid enough money to be a consumer. I should be a stockholder at this time. At this Preach time. to the choir. Preach to the choir. <laughs> Let's put ourselves at the stadium. You're obviously you go to uh, I say I would say dozens of games as you had alluded to a year normally on average on average twenty to thirty. Yep. So you are I would say very good. You would, I'm sure you would have a very good I don't know, nose a palate. When we're at, when you're at a, when teach us, when we're at a stadium, what kind of food should we avoid and what maybe we should eat? Because I'm always interested in, I love going to baseball stadiums and seeing what they have to offer for, for food and drinks. Um, well, honestly, I was having this discussion with a buddy of mine recently about the food at the stadium. Because I follow a lot of the teams on social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. 
And lately, it's become a popular thing for stadiums to be showing off some of the foods that they're doing. And I'm like, you know, I've eaten in the Cardinal Subhouse, um, the great, what, what are affectionately referred to as Cardinal fans with the grain suits. I fit in the box. There's not an all-inclusive section in the stadium I have set. Um, but then I have my nights where I want to sit up high, where the view is great, and the purple sky with the art, the hotels, and Dark Park Village in the background, seeing the jumbo and there's nights like that. Where I want my peanuts, I want my beer, and I want a hot dog. Like, those are fun. When, when I'm at the stadium, I am an onion smell taste. I smell onions, I want to know what they're putting in. I can smell onions cooking a mile away. Can, when you can you smell the color of the onion? I don't mean this facetiously. Like, do you actually know if it's like a yellow onion? It's a white onion? It's a purple onion? It's an onion well, from Canada? <laughs> whether where it's from, I couldn't tell you half the time. Just because I'm a chef and I know generally what the cost of these things are, I'd be willing to bet that 99 of what they bring into the stadium is a yellow onion. Um, just because they generally are the sweetest. They're the easiest to get. They're, they're incredibly affordable for what you do with them. Um, and they produce an incredible amount of sweet flavor. Um, and that's, you know, that, at the end of the day, you want some real good caramelizing on top of a, uh, on top of a hot dog or a broth. Um, and it's got to be a good hot dog. You know, none of those, you know, single A stadium team hot dogs that they buy in bulk, you know, 800 or the, hot or the, dogs. Or the Dodger <laughs> dog, which is big thumbs oh, yeah. down. That, that's an awful oh, place man. to get a hot dog. You, you need a Dodger real stadium. nice, you need a real nice thick beef hot dog. Uh, I, I'm real traditional. Like, like I love good nachos. Uh, I, I try some of the specialty stuff that they add every season. Like they added Shaq's place into uh, the upper decks called uh, Big Chicken or something. And the chicken sandwich was good. But the problem was that they had it already sitting out for a little while, so it was kind of cold and stale. Um, I, at the end of the day, I'm a huge I, – I will try anything as long as it's reasonable. Not, not in price, but in concept. You know, I see these things out there, these, these glazed donut hamburgers, and I'm sure they are great. You know, but I'm already overweight, and there are just hard limits on life. I don't need that. I absolutely don't need that. Um, but I, you can I still inhale it with with your very I can high, I can absolutely I, I don't need I, to, to know what it tastes like like I, I I know it's good it's it's a burger with a donut well I, I don't eat donuts well nobody eats donuts they inhale them um, good one is almost like cotton candy at the end of the day um, we we do have a couple of hidden spots in the stadium that I think are great. We have a really awesome fried rice place um, in the Redbird Club, which is in the 200 levels that goes between first base and third base. Um, and it is a, you know, I, I think it's like 17 or 18 dollars, but it is a jam-packed Chinese box full of food. It is. My wife and I shared one and didn't get halfway through it. It was that bad. Um, Fortunately, there is a little bit of give and take. They do allow guests uh, to bring out, you know, bring in outside food, small coolers, you know, because at the end of the day, nobody wants to pay, you know, $8 for a bag of peanuts. Somebody was selling for $2 out on the street. Yeah. In front of the or or like, $27 for a domestic a, a family shouldn't have to take out an installment plan on an outing to the stadium to take their kids to see a baseball game. Like that's yeah. That's, that's not that's the way. That's not a way to grow the game. No, it's not. You can't get the younger generations to appreciate it if the families that bring those generations can't afford. 
you know, I'm fortunate. I have a four-year-old, so he's been free up until this year. Um, actually, technically, next year is when we have to start buying tickets, which I don't mind. Um, unless we need the extra room, he's, you know, he's four. <laughs> but um, it needs to be, if you want to attract those crowds, speed up the game somehow you attract them. Make it more affordable. We, we charge $14.75 for a tall can of Bud Light in the city where I can get on the 400 level of the stadium and look at the factory where it was made. <laughs> I don't even know that they paid a ship, but I still am convinced that somewhere between there and the stadium, there is an underground tunnel. I'm, I'm almost positive of it. I think they just send it down every day, and that's all they do. Um, but I still... You know, I'd much rather be around 45,000 strangers at a Cardinal game and know that at some point I can talk baseball to the people that I don't know at all sitting on either side of me. Uh, I'd still much rather do that than go out on a camping trip in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, it's called baseball heaven for a reason. And I told my wife before, you know, when I, if I die, cremate me and then accidentally spill me onto the warning track. Just act like you were seeing the sights and then just pretend like you dropped it. There's no way they're going to be able to pick up every single crumb. And, you know, That's true. I'll be, a part of, I'll be a part of the stadium forever. Um, I joke like that, but she has already picked out a St. Louis Cardinals coffin, which has me concerned and you, a little honored at the same time. You, you know, you got to get a good artist for that, and you are an artist. But before we get to that, I want to, I, I really like that suggestion you made about following the smell of onion that is oh, i have man. never heard that and i like that and i'm gonna i'm gonna put that to use the next time i go to a baseball oh, yeah. game yeah just follow the onions i promise you they're gonna lead you to something good james not only are you passionate about the cardinals you love baseball clearly you you taught us about onions you're a renaissance man you're a renaissance man of the midwest you are also an artist and a very good one as well i've seen works that you've done of the st louis cardinals and especially obviously your favorite player yadier molina some yankees players a st louis based uh, ufc fighter where do you get your inspiration to do to be a creator because i already i consider you a creator because you're a chef you create something wonderful and delicious but then you decided i'm going to use my hands to do something else what ignites what do you, what feeling do you get when it, if something ignites inside of you that you're like i want to create that so for me the way it started was um probably about five six years ago. um i had finally gotten back in the for three years ago and that was hardest and um, my dad is truly where my love of the game of baseball came from. My dad, uh, we talked about Tom Pagnozzi earlier. My dad was a huge Tom Pagnozzi fan. Um, and I had the honor of actually getting to meet him about four years ago. I had to meet him. And I asked him to sign a ball uh, in honor of my dad. They're in memory of my ball, um, which was really cool. It was just so great to meet him. He was such a nice guy. The inspiration came one day after I had finished. I had done a portrait of my baby boy uh, from a picture when he was about two days old. And I was like, you know, I wanted to draw something, but I didn't know it. And I had this idea. I didn't realize there was already a market. There was already people out there doing this. Uh, a couple of artists, buddies of mine, Miles Autumn, uh, Ken Carl, James Ford. You know, I had no idea these guys had already been back. I thought this was something I was thinking about. I was sitting at home and I was like, you know what? I, I want to draw baseball. But I want to draw moments that stick out in my head. And the first thing that came to my, uh, to my mind, um, and this 
the original picture my uh the older of my two younger brothers actually now has in his house because it was my first baseball picture and he loved it it was lou gehrig uh from the farewell um, and i drew the picture from the moment where he's at the microphone and he just kind of um, you, can, you can feel the heartbreak, you can feel, you can feel the frustration and the words hard to come to them in, in, in that one scene in baseball. Like, I love the game of baseball. I don't know where I would be without it. Uh, I joked in an interview that was done on me a year ago about my wife. I was just like, you can lose me. I still have baseball. I don't have it six months out of the year, but I've got baseball six months a year. I can find something to do uh, if you ever left me. And, and, to her chagrin, she has stuck with me with all of my baseball passion, but she is also now a diehard Cardinal fan uh, and was incredibly heartbroken when her favorite player, Yadi Luna, uh, retired last night. She just didn't know what to do with herself. Um, the inspiration comes from those moments in baseball that always just kind of stuck out. I have other projects that I'm planning because I'm beginning to think of bigger moments or players that I really really want to see. Um, one of the biggest pieces I've done recently that got tons of credit on uh, social media was a Shohei Otani piece that I did. Um, I still have it framed in my room. I haven't hung it up, but I haven't sold. Like, it's that piece that like people are beginning to notice my work. So I look at these moments, I look at, I look at certain players, and I'm like, man, these are iconic moments. Um, so what really happened about a year ago a uh, local reporter saw a Yadier Molina piece that I had on it. It's the one that's become known as the Yadi 4. And it was just this picture of Yadi going down the second base and that I just did a concept of and I did a big number four behind it. And it blew up on social media. Um, and they did a local report with a uh, local NBC affiliate and a big time reporter out there named Randy Knott. Um, he did a whole My Loose segment on it and it was great. So from there, my social media began growing, and I'm still new to the networking scene and, and really how to get my work out there. And, and it is a daily grind, and that's the same thing that a lot of the artists that I mentioned before. Uh, so I try to keep that in mind and just keep putting my work. And in the middle of the night, I had somebody reach out to me. Uh, I don't know what it is about the hours of 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. that people reach me on social media, um, but I'm a dad of a four-year-old. I'm no longer up at those hours. Um, I get a message from somebody that's interested in this Nolan Arenado segment. And to me, I wanted to do Nolan because I was like, he was here. He was making a huge impact. I loved this guy from the minute he got here. Um, and I totally expected what he was doing in Colorado. I was penetrable. And it was from it was from the moment of Nolan's first home run into a stadium during the COVID. He comes out of the dugout and just, I mean, hardcore flexes and screamed and you know it was the first time even with the stadium at 25 percent capacity that day he probably got a louder ovation than he's had in the course field at all and i love that shot of just nolan coming out and was like yeah this guy is here to win he is a baseball killer that's what he's here to do so i did the, the biggest piece that i've done to this day was of him and then off to the side was him from a side shot doing a hit through the St. Louis Arch. Uh, I, I've been trying to incorporate the St. Louis Arch in the stadium with some more of my St. Louis pieces. And I'd had the piece just sitting in my office. I, again, it was for me, it, I, I didn't view it as something I could make money from at this time. It was a hobby that was becoming popular. 
I get a message, somebody inquiring about the RM rights. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I was just sitting in my office. And he was just like, well, how much do you want for it? And I was like, you know what? Just to sit in there, you know, 100 bucks, I'll get it put in the mail, I'll get it out to you. So me and the guy continue talking. And um, as the conversation goes on, he starts talking about, you know, out here at the training academy, out here at the training academy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we run a baseball academy out there. And it didn't occur to me that I, the person that I'm talking to's profile says, are not a baseball player. Didn't occur to me. I, I was just like, oh, this is some guy that probably runs some team that, you know, is affiliated with him. That's pretty cool. Um, so at the end of the conversation, I was like, yeah, just stay in touch. I'll get it in the mail and uh, it'll be on the way. And he's like, all right, well, we'll talk soon. Thanks, no, uh, Fernando. So I gave it a couple minutes and I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, Fernando. So I messaged him back. I was like, Fernando, as in Fernando Arenado? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you're Nolan's dad. He said, yeah. And I said, why are you messaging me to get artwork of your son? I was like, I'm sure you can pay to have any number or he can even get you any artist to do this. And he's just like, I just think it's a really cool piece and I'd love to have it. And I said, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I said, I don't have a single piece of memorabilia in my collection autographed by your son. I said, so you get me an autographed ball, bat, whatever. I said, this piece is yours. I'll get it framed and I'll get it sent out to you. And uh, he was like, okay, you got a deal. So he was a little bit more than uh, true to his word. He messages me out of nowhere one day and asks for my address. And at this point, I had already sent the piece out to him. He sent me a picture of it. That's great. I can't wait to hang it. And uh, package comes in the mail at the house one day. It's a big package. I open it. And this man had gone all out. He had gotten me a baseball autograph by Nolan. He had gotten me a bobblehead of Nolan from Father's Day in Colorado. It was a really awesome bobblehead. He had gotten me uh, a pair of Nolan Nike batting gloves in the black, teal, and purple that he wore when he was in Colorado with Nolan's number and logo on it and everything. And then he sent me a bunch of stuff from the R and a baseball camp out there. I mean, just, it just went over the top. And I was like, man, this is insane. You didn't have to do this. This is so cool. And he was just like, well, man, I love the work. I really want to, you know, I really want you to have this as a gift from us. And, um, and we actually still stay in touch regularly. So interesting story there is um, Fernando and I um, wound up meeting at the playoffs last year. Um, and he had, he had initial plans of introducing me to Nolan at the end of the night. Unfortunately, the Cardinals lost. They were eliminated all the playoffs. The season was over. He sends me a message during the game, and, and he's sitting there. Where me and my wife were sitting with our little boy um, in the stadium, and he was just like, I don't know if it's a great night to meet him. And I was like, I totally get it. I said I wouldn't want to talk to anybody either. I get it. He's like, we'll stay in touch, I promise. And and we still in touch. Uh, he reached out to me about a month later. Um, I had been I was super inspired with a lot of stuff that was happening last season. I did a really couple of really popular pool hole shots uh, or pool hole pictures that I had. I had the seven hundred pool holes that was really popular. And then I did one. I had one that was called To the Moon. Um, which it was just the stadium in the background, who holds in front swinging, and then a background of space with a moon at one end of the picture. And it was, it was a beautiful shot that I loved doing. And uh, he reached out to me in January and said, hey, do you have anything you want to put up in our, um, our, our charity event that we have? They do a Arnado um, 
charity golf tournament in California every January. And I was like, well, that Pujols piece that you like, I was like, it's just in a frame sitting in my office. And he was like, well, I'll pay for it. I was like, yeah, it's totally cool. It's for charity. And I got it sent out to them and it got there the day before. It turns out the person that won it in the silent auction spent about 10 grand on Pujols. They had an autographed bat, all an autographed jersey, and then they auctioned off the picture, and they and I was surprised it got twelve hundred dollars. I was blown away. I was like, "Holy cow, man!" I charged people like two hundred bucks for those things, um, so I was super happy that it had gotten. And Fernando and I, he sent me plenty of pictures from the event that day. Lars Mubar was there, and he was just like, "You know, we should have you out for the golf tournament next year." And I was like, "I don't know, man. I'm not really into golf. <laughs> it's not really my thing." Um, I was like, I'll come and sit in the golf cart and have some drinks, <laughs> like, but I'm not really into golf at all. And he's like, well, we'll have you over to the house for dinner. And um, we're, we're still in the works for that. But we also had talked about me actually doing a piece specifically for the event. So we're actually in the works of that now. And I'm doing my first painting, which I have not done. I've never done a painting um, specifically to be auctioned off at the event. And uh, when he invited me over to the house, I was like, I was like, wait, like the house where you live, where Nolan probably comes and sees you. He's like, yeah, we'll have you over to dinner. And I was like, well, I heard about him and his brother having these really competitive wiffle ball turns in their backyard. I was like, I was like, listen, I, I'm going to say yes, only because I really want that to happen. <laughs> so it hasn't happened. It's still about four months out. Um, but right now, everything is on pace for my wife and I have to go out there for golfing the current weekend. That's um, and I might actually finally get to meet the guy um, in a formal setting. And yes, I'll be starstruck, but at the same time, I've met enough players that, you know, meeting these guys is just like, I love meeting them. They understand that I understand that there's still guys that are going to live a normal life for the best that they can. Um, so I still respect that despite being starstruck as I am. Um, but from there, the, the inspirations have been coming more and the players that I've been looking at doing are, are some of the bigger names in baseball. I did the Otani piece. I did the Aaron Judge piece. Which is, you know, um, uh, I am currently in the works on what is going to be the biggest piece I've done size-wise of Bryce Harper in the powder blue uniform when he slid in the second with the Philly Fanatic headband on when his helmet came off. It's just an awesome, awesome right. shot. And as much as I hate Bryce Harper as a Cardinal fan, because I've seen that man hit bomb after bomb every time he's come to the stadium in person, I can't knock the fact that the man is a stupid hitter. Yeah, like you can't you can't throw that man a fastball down and in anymore. Like he's gonna hit it to the moon every single time. Um, so I really wanted to do this piece because I'm trying to branch out and I, I recognize that the best way to do that is I can't do every single card that the same yeah. do. Um, and it makes sense. Like if I really love baseball, I've got to show people my versatility. And you got to keep the consumer do. happy. There's not just people. Exactly. In it. You got to keep people's belly happy as a chef, and you got to yes. keep people's eyes happy as an artist. <laughs> and that's as well. what it is. I, I look. I look for these unique shots of these players. That Otani picture I found. Um, one of my artist friends was uh, Ken Carl again, who does phenomenal work. So they come out and reach out to the guy the opportunity. He's a phenomenal artist. And his whole gimmick is his whole creation. It's all his own. He has completely branded himself on what he does. Um, he reached out to me after he saw the Otani piece. He was like, this is my favorite piece we've ever done. And I respect this man as an artist to another level. And 
he finds my work incredible. And I'm like, are you serious? Compared to what you do, this is nothing. That's a beautiful like, this is absolutely nothing. And he was like, well, where did you find that shot? And I was like, you know, I was just doing a Google image search one night. And I came across this shot that looks like it was taken from a batter's box opposite of Shohei looking up to the lights in the stadium. And I was just like, that is an incredible shot. I want to draw that. And I sent it to him. I was like, listen, if you want to do this shot, have at it. I want to see if you can do this one. Um, I'm going to tell you. That's, that's where it's really, that's what it's developed into. Is like, I want these really cool shots. I don't want the same shots that I see everybody else drawing. I want to do something. I can do for I like action shots. And baseball is all action and those move, those moments where players pull through in the clutch, those are those things that I love to take pictures of and capture in my in my art. That I I'll tell you about action. No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to bring this up, James. If you ever do an a piece on the uh-huh. infield fly rule from the notorious playoff wild card game between my uh, Atlanta Braves and your St. Louis Cardinals, yep. James, yep. I will buy that off of you just so it never <laughs> sees the day of light. Not because who I'm is, sure it's going to be uh, amazing. Is, but, who was playing shortstop for the Braves that day? Who was that? Um, that was, was that. That was the 2011 season, wasn't yeah, that? Yeah, that was. A, yeah, that just, was the yeah. 2011 yeah, season. That was I remember at, that. Um, Turner Field, and yeah. that way I, I can be like a Stalinist revisionist. You know, like back in the old and horrible days of communist Russia, which are uh, here again. You know, they would just they would just wipe away wipe, wipe away history. So I'm going to do that. So I'm going to support you as an artist if you ever I'm make the infield fly rule picture. But I don't want anybody to see it because I want Pete that you guys don't from everybody's mind. You guys don't need an erasing of history. What you are building and sitting on in Atlanta right now is nothing shy of spectacular. I mean, everybody knows everybody knows uh, you know Michael Harris, you know, Spencer Strider coming out of nowhere. Nobody had heard of this kid until last year doing what he did. Um, I've always been a big fan of Ozzy Albies. I think he's great. Oh, yeah, I love him. You know, you know, I know they, they, you know, even the Freddie Freeman's um, surprise, I, I know that they, you know, did what they did there, but I mean, it certainly worked out. For them. Um, I can never remember if, if it's Olsen or Chapman that they got. Um, Olsen. Uh, Chapman is with the, the Blue Jays and the rumors Blue he Jays, might say yeah. he might even go to the Cubs next season. But right now he's with the Toronto Blue Jays, Matt Chapman. Yeah, with, with what they got out of Matt Olsen this season, um, I mean, even there's not a hole in that lineup. Like, even when we got up on you guys last week in that first game, I was like, I don't care. I was like, I know our pitching and I know they're hitting. I'm not putting this game out of reach for the Braves by any stretch of the imagination. That is nothing but a murderous lineup. They have stellar pitching and, and really, you know, our starting pitching has really been the biggest issue, but Ali Marmol just hasn't really – known how to pitch our rotation um we finally got helsley back and that's kind of solidified it on the backside. i didn't agree with the cabrera trade i felt like you were making a mistake with cabrera getting traded and sure enough he gets to toronto and he hasn't given up one since he's been. um you guys have a an insanely bright future and the, and the problem for everybody else is the longer you guys continue to build these teams and things like that the longer these younger guys are going to want to stay there there's no reason to leave. There's no reason yeah, to leave. They do a good uh, – Anthopolis is doing a good job of locking up a lot of the players early and just yes. saying, look, here's $100 million. Stay here for the next seven, you know, ten years. I think for the next couple of years, the, the eyes, all eyes are going to be on 
where Otani and or Trout wind up. Um, I mean, Otani has 30 choices of where he wants to go. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just uh, for him, it's going to be a World Series contender. Otani didn't has come to here. Be. Just, it, him, just like it's, Lars, they just won that yep. World Baseball Classic. They want that same feeling. Uh, yeah. Very, yeah, very they, soon. You know, Lars, the World Baseball Classic is a great thing for Lars and baseball in general because Lars was a reminder that the game is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. I get you got to make the paycheck and you got the punks unions and the players unions and the Hall of Fame players unions. I get that we've got all that. These guys want to keep making money however they can. But at some point, you got to get back to competing. You got to get back to remember that at the end of the day, it's just a game. It's exactly. I have to remind myself of that. You know, my wife, you know, constantly reminding me when I'm yelling at the screen when we make stupid moves during the game. She was just like, you know, they can't hear you. And I was like, I feel better when I yell. Just leave me alone. So, um, baseball has a bright future. They need to quit tinkering with the rules. Best thing that can happen to baseball right now is. Um, commissioner needs to go. Unfortunately, they've locked him down for a couple oh, yeah. more years. Preach so. to the choir. So, uh, but yeah, that, that that's where I stand on a lot of those yeah, issues. I, I agree with you on that. But James, I cannot end this conversation with you without we're talking to a, a, a chef, probably a foodie. I would say. Word yeah. on the street is you love yourself some good rum. I'd love to know oh, why, yeah. what rum or two you like and why, and also. When someone wants to go to St. Louis to watch the Cardinals or their team watch play the Cardinals in St. Louis, what's a couple of places you would recommend to go try out in St. Louis? Uh, in St. Louis, you can never go wrong. wrong with going right next door to the stadium anywhere in Hopefully, Field, Sports, Sports and Social, Valley Sports uh, Live. Um, you're going to have a good time. You're going to get a ballpark. The place is called, I'm sorry, the place is called Sports and Social. Sports and Social. It's okay. part of Ballpark Village. It's the Cardinals' biggest cash cow right now. Um, and then, uh, right next door at patios, which is just, uh, it's just a gathering spot for people at the stadium, um, before the game starts. Uh, rum wise on, on two big ones, uh, a 21 year age rum called Zafra and, um, a Jamaican rum called Bamboo. There's a lot of hints of, uh, vanilla and banana. And I, I, there, there are two great flavors that as far as I'm concerned, fit right in with, with rum and, um, yeah, those are the two biggest recommendations. Drink them neat, drink them with, you know, a soda mixer. Um, but the best way to do it is just, you know, with a couple of ice cubes, pour the lime on top, and you're good to go. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to let you go without telling me one dish in these one of these two places because I normally ask people like, you know, what they like, what, what, a good place. But you're a chef. You have the nose, uh, my friend. Sports and social. What are we if, ordering at Sports and Social? If you go to Sports and Social, just show up on Tuesday for Taco Day. Tuesday tacos. Uh, they've got a full pork. With pickled red onions, uh, cojita cheese, cilantro, uh, barbecue sauce—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's right up my alley every single time. Um, Patios—I've never really eaten there. That's that's the spot that I go for pregame pepperoni, okay. that kind of thing. Um, but if you come to St. Louis, the first eat, in my opinion, is uh, barbecue spot known as Pappy's. Um, there are a lot of places that Pappy's. people that'll tell you that yeah, there, there are a lot of places that'll. Mention other barbecue places, but Pappy's hands down is the place to go. It's, um, uh, I'll vouch for it every day of the week and I'll put money on it. If you don't like it, I'll pay you back. You know, that's that's my opinion. 
I'm gonna have. Uh, thank you for that because I'm gonna have to. I've been saying it was once, but I got to go back to see uh, a Cardinals game. I, I didn't get a chance to go to, oh, yeah. to see the Cardinals, but if I'm you gonna give, look me up, I'll tell you where to sit and how to sit there. I am gonna give you in return some suggestions on rum. I got to try this Jamaican rum that you, okay. that you did. My two favorite rums, Flor de Caña, which is from Nicaragua. Oh, they have okay. it's they have a mixing one, which is like a four year old, a four year, yeah, four year, four year old is like a baby, a four year or a seven year. F F L O R D E C A uh-huh. and an N, which has a squiggly line above it. A, and they also have more aged one, like uh, 12, 18, and twenty five. I like the twelve one; it's more of a blend. So that's you can sip yeah. that uh, neat or on the rocks, and I think the twenty best, to twenty five is where you want to be as far as the age stuff goes. I yeah. think the best rum is actually from Guatemala. It's called Ron Zacapa, R O N, which is obviously rum okay. in Spanish, and then Zacapa Z A C A P A, and it's their okay. it's their X O I think I believe which is twenty five years old, and that is yeah. like one of those special. You know, moments when you, 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 I'm not a big fan of people who have a, who have a, who have a nice bottle, like nice hundred, $200 bottle and they have it for five, 10 years. I mean, there had to have been a couple of special moments in between that. I don't buy rum to look at it. Amen. Amen. So (laughs) I I actually just finished it like two weeks ago. I had it for about a year, which I think is a good amount of time. Uh, again, big fan of those two. Flor de Caña from Nicaragua, Ron Zacapa. Those are the, the nice ones you're sitting you know, watching oh, yeah. a game, you're watching October baseball. You're having a nice yes. sip, little by little. That's that's the best. Hands are getting cold, and you need to warm them up. That's Absolutely. the way to go. Yeah, th- those are yep. the ones that I, I love the most. So yeah, I, I love lo- t- hearing and talking about food and drinks. James, I want to thank you for joining me on oh, for no this problem. episode. Let us know where we can potentially taste some of your delicious creations, see some of your amazing <laughs> artistic talents, and of course, anywhere you want to share for social media. Um, so the restaurant that I'm at is a place in Mobile, Missouri. It's uh, right smack in the middle of St. Louis County. Um, it's called Truffles Restaurant. Um, we are open Tuesday through Saturday. We can move on five to eight. We have short hours, but we do continue to serve after those hours. Um, and then for social media, you can reach me on Instagram, either at Real Time JK Sports Arts or on my Twitter or X page at uh, Papa Bad Mode. Those are the two best ways to reach out to me. I'm constantly on, constantly checking. And I'm sorry, your restaurant again, it's called Truffle what? Truffles. Truffles, just truffles. Okay. Yep. Just like the thing you shave on top of. I want to thank James for joining us this week. Helping to open up our appetites, learn to follow our nose to that those delicious onions. I'm all about that. I loved, I actually learned a lot from James. And I hope you did too. I learned that I like this new rum that I've been drinking this week. During the production of this podcast, it's called, what I have in my hand, Barrel Flag. It's a navy strength rum. I mixed it with a little a splash of Coke, Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, I don't know, some kind of Coke, some kind of cola. It's from a good American distillery called Old Harbor Distilling Company in San Diego, California. This is some serious rum because the alcohol content is 57%. Normally, the alcohol content of the rums I drink, are, I think, are around 4550. What I find interesting that the reason why it says it's naval strength rum is because it means that it would allow gunpowder, even when it had, when the gunpowder had been soaked in rum, it would still ignite. So obviously we're talking about the great naval battles of the 17th and 18th century on planet Earth. And I'm going to have a sip before I close this out. I want to thank you for listening to Last Call Baseball. Be great and get home safe.